uh, our last two episodes were focused around our, you know, the worldwide current situation around the, the pandemic. Um, so hopefully everybody has listened to those and gotten a lot out of it. Um, so we want to try to keep the first section of this kind of along the lines with the questions for these two episodes. But then after, um, we can certainly open it up to any questions that have to do with the philosophy or, or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to start off revisiting um, the virus and how it's, Alexander, you've, you spoke about how it's related to grief because it is uh, something that has a lot of symptoms around the lungs and what that meant um, along the lines of uh, where we are as a society and why we would need right now to be processing a lot of grief. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think this is a, it's a great place to start. And um, I feel like it's an aspect that most people aren't aware of. And this um, perception is coming from, of course, uh, focusing on five levels of wellness or five levels of healing being the physical level, the mental level, the emotional level, the energetic level, and the spiritual or religious level. And so many times people will work on the physical body, but they don't take time to uh, heal or work on the emotional and energetic aspects, and it can tend to make things come back and create cycles. So like Aaron was saying, uh, this Uh, is a type of influenza which is concentrates in the lungs and the lungs from Chinese medicine is connected to grief and so I've experienced this myself and I wanted to uh, give tell a little story Um, over the last few weeks what's been going on in my own personal life so three weeks ago was the 12-year anniversary of my uh, wife and life partner Sherry passing and then a week later was the three-year anniversary of my mother passing. So this particular time of the year has a very grief-oriented vibration for me, and we do follow cycles. So yearly cycles come back up um, from my perception for things to come to the surface to heal. And so any of you that have gone through any major type of traumas throughout your life, especially around loss or grief, Uh, Pay attention to the date and the time frame so that you can look for that like yearly uh, to to maybe be more um, aware and sensitive to it. And so I actually communicated with those around that were close to me that this anniversary is coming up. So I was probably going to be releasing grief. I was going to be crying and in my work, I don't hold crying back uh, no matter where I am. If it comes up, I want to release it, and I want to feel comfortable releasing it. So uh, so I went through three weeks of very much enjoying the solitude and the sanctity that uh, just being alone brought. And I was able to process uh, stuff from both of those situations and many other situations throughout my life that brought grief uh, and bring it up and release it and then replace it with some gratitude. So as we, as we emotionally release, we fill that space back up with gratitude of not something that we just think, but like a direct experience that we've actually experienced in our life. And when we remember that 
on a cellular level, it, it activates every cell in the body. And so it helps to repair, if you will, that area. So I do implore people to, um, to really sit and whether it's in meditation or contemplation or prayer or whatever you want to call it, and maybe do an inventory of losses that you've gone through in your life and be willing to um, forgive, be willing to release. And the five pillars of this uh, work is where that healing can, can really, really start. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll give an example of those, I think at this point, and one is finding the first pillar is finding the divine order in, in the chaos. And that's a perfect example of what to do right now. Things are very uh, chaotic in a lot of people's minds, but there is a divine order. Um, the earth is is taking a breath, so to say. And this is a great time for lots of people to get closer to their families and change their priorities. The second one is, you know, everyone and every situation has an opportunity to be your teacher. And all you have to do is put a little effort into when a situation comes up that you have an emotional reaction to that you take the time to inquire what is the lesson here. And then number three is polarity versus duality. Um, Polarity is a must that we will experience in this life, but duality is a choice. We have to have night and day. We have to have birth and death. That's the acceptance, and that's connected to polarity. But duality is when we don't want something to be a certain way, and it creates friction in the resistance. And so that's very uh, that's where most of our culture really resides the majority of the time. And uh, the let's see, or the fourth one, I can't believe I accept this. Yes, is emotional accountability and responsibility to understand that our emotions are our own responsibility. And they've typically been created from the past and misinforming, the mind misinforming. Because anytime we experience something so-called negatively emotionally, we are misunderstanding the situation. And we get into great detail of explaining all of these. And then the fifth one is everything is vibration. Therefore, by the law of physics, anything that is diseased or out of its natural vibration can be brought back into vibration. The only thing is that death is something that can't be negotiated from my perception. So outside of that, um, healing is possible. And I don't come with that from a Pollyanna perception because I've gone through a lot of death in my life. And that is something that we have to learn to accept. So when we're working on these emotions, uh, these five pillars um, are the very first place to start to remind us to get in a different mindset. So like you were, or like we were discussing with the grief, um, well, first of all, I want to thank everybody for the birthday wishes. My birthday was yesterday, and I I actually had a lot, this is kind of funny to me, I had a lot of grief come up for me. The last two or three days, especially this morning, um, I was able to revisit a lot of my past and really kind of be brave and uh, release a lot of it and um, ask for forgiveness around that that kind of thing. (coughs) So, so far, uh, my 2020 birthday has been 
pretty good as far as uh, doing the work and, um, you know, releasing a lot of, a lot of my past and, and it like almost corresponded with uh, my birthday. Like as soon as my birthday Mm -hmm. hit, I I did feel a shift of energy, um, different energy. Um, It's, it's a little odd right now. I'm still trying to navigate it, but there has Mm -hmm. been a lot that has come in, but I, as I share my grief story so far, and, and of course I did share my grief story around the pandemic. I did want to ask the question to anybody out there. Um, did they have grief or fear and anxiety around what has been going on? And if anybody would like to, um, you know, briefly share something that they experienced, um, you know, go ahead and raise your hand or I can read it. Uh, if you want to send it in the chat um, and we can do it that way. If you guys want to, Think about that. Um, Claire did ask a question. Uh, when we're trying to release grief from our past, how do we know the difference between wallowing in the sad story we've been telling for however many years and actual uh, and you know doing an actual healthy release? And that's yes, an awesome beautiful. Question. Yes, a beautiful question. Because I do suggest that there are two different types of crying, and that is victim crying and healing crying. And victim crying is the wallowing. And this is uh, unfortunately what most people look for in a connection with a friend. They will find somebody that will kind of go along with their story and wallow in that. Um, many times it's projecting onto the other person or the situation uh, fault. And so we have to be careful to realize that potentially our true friends are the ones that helps us to see things most clearly not just on our side. So the, the way that a releasing crying feels and, um, and I do these in front of people in front of, uh, classes, um, because any, many times when I talk about my boys, um, and I talk how, about how close we are, it'll, it'll bring up that, um, some, some emotion and I'll just allow it to come. And it always ends in deep, deep gratitude. So when we, when we are releasing and crying, uh, normally if it's part of a release, it only lasts a matter of maybe less than a minute to two or three minutes. It's like literally a flushing happens. And when you're going through the crying, you're visualizing it as, as a release, like you're releasing energy that you've been holding on to. And that's the first level of gratitude instead of, uh, fighting the story or not wanting to go into it as, you know, Jalaluddin Rumi says, Oh, jealousy. There you are, my friend, let's dine together. So it's, it is about, um, embracing the emotion. And I teach to, for people to look at emotions very similarly to raising children and that we need to love that part of us as we are having that release, not judge it and see in the wallowing, there's judgment present. And I call that duality. There's resistance. So in the releasing, there is acceptance and acceptance of uh, that people play roles in our life to teach us both what to do and what not to do. So anytime some old uh, story comes up from my past, that's my uh, one of my early go to's is to thank them for being a teacher and. Uh, when somebody does teach us what not to do, 
uh, it's just as valuable as somebody teaching us what to do. So when we can stay out of judgment, we can truly see that person that we looked at as done us wrong in the past as a wonderful teacher. And that can be earnestly felt, not just believed, but earnestly felt. So as that grief is coming up, um, say hypothetically, it's a thought about my mom and maybe that I didn't get to give her the financial riches that I wanted to. And that was one of mine that surprised me and come up. And as that was coming up and I was crying and I was going, I wish that I could have given my mother so much more material things. I realized, and I said to myself, talking to myself like I would a child, but your mother was not into material things. She never asked for that. She never wanted that. And I realized that that was just my own projection of a want. So see, I was able to let that go while I was crying and really laugh. I ended up laughing about that particular one to say that was just so silly because that was never a desire of hers. It was only a desire of mine. So these emotions are uh, just like children throwing little temper tantrums. And we can use the mental level to change our perception and change the story, so to say. So that's an example of having the release, feeling it as a true release. As you're releasing, you go into gratitude in some direction to fill it back up. And then you normally feel so much better after that two or three minutes of that emotional release. So that's a big part of it is if you're not feeling completely lighter after the cry, more than likely you didn't have a release. Um, so, so that's a good place to start. So Alexander, I'll ask you uh, something from my experience. Um, I was, uh, this happened, I think a few months ago, I was on the phone with a friend and I was going through um, a pretty tough time and I was, I was crying about it. I was uh, having an emotional release, but as I was doing that, I had um, an overwhelming feeling of be of gratitude for this friend. And, you know, I had this person who was there to hold space for me. And I, and I just, I changed that, that, uh, you know, I'm feeling bad for what's happening into surrounding myself with gratitude. And I told this person, I was just like, you know, I'm so grateful for you to be here and to listen to me and witness, Mm -hmm. you know, witness what I'm going through. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's another great example that you use the, the present moment when somebody is supporting you in that manner to just go into that love and that appreciation and, you can still uh, continue to go in deeper into the releasing of that grief, or you can just completely change the energy completely. And it seems like that may have been your, what your experience was as you got into that gratitude, uh, the energy just completely shifted. So does anybody else uh, have a question around grief and, or, or even want to uh, share anything that they've been um, going through as far as yes. related to the pandemic? And while uh, people are considering that, I really want you to expand your view of grief, people, to realize that that can be a loss of a job. It could be the loss of an animal. It could be a loss of a friendship. Just anything around loss. Uh, Sometimes um, people lose their home or lose their property or lose their car for some reason. Um, So don't be, uh, be diligent in your investigation, your inward investigation to expand your view of all of these terms that we talk about um, on the podcast, on the, on this live feed and just in our heads that, that everything 
can be seen much better when we kind of look at it from a third party view or bird's eye view. So the further that we can back up and widen the view, the more likely we are to change the perception of it. Let me just check to see if anybody else. Uh, nope. Uh, nobody in here has a question, but I do have a question from uh, actually a friend of mine that I went to all the way to elementary school with. So I'm <laughs> grateful for Travis to be in the chat on Facebook. And yeah. he, he has a question as far as um, the anxiety felt because of the pandemic and uh, how that relates to um, our relationship with the future and, and our fear around um, around our dissolving the, the sense of control, you know, cause we don't have control over what's happening in our lives right now. Right. And so how, how can we cope with that? Yeah, I think that's a, another good point. And um, control is a, a falsity anyway. And most of us uh, in our culture really try to have that. Um, a perception that I like to suggest to people to uh, study for themselves is we may not have as much free will as we really think that we do. Um, we're constantly being bombarded through all of the senses um, by all types of foreign matter, um, whether it's smells or uh, genetically modified foods or things in the air. So, so we're constantly being influenced. The planets are influences. Once we get in within about five feet of another human being, we're being influenced. So the more people that we're around, we're experiencing all this influencing. And then, the the self-study work that we offer to uh, my private practice and support with the podcast and the philosophy is uh, part of that is we help people understand how they're designed and looking at your what's called human design can show areas uh, or your chakras or energy centers that you're vulnerable or empathic in. And this can help a person very quickly to understand why they are coping with things kind of the way that they are. And, and once again, once we have information in the mental field, it can adjust the emotional field, which relaxes the physical body. So I like to um, work to really trust life and to understand that uh, the more control that we seek to have, typically the more suffering that uh, I see happen. And in uh, my 26 years of looking for wise people, I've only found about five of them in my whole time of searching, and they just have a peace about them. They're not searching for anything. They're not uh, controlling anything. So I think this is just such a great practice that many times our wants are getting in the way of what we need, and what we need is always going to be provided. Um, as it was said in the great book, the sparrows need not worry where their next meal comes from. They will be provided for. And so uh, working to trust life or trust the divine energy is, I think, a practice that most humans need to work more with. And to see that many of our struggles are cages or shackles that we've put on ourselves by overextending ourselves financially. So when a situation like this comes up, um, most people are strapped and don't have any room to float for a few months. But this is a good time to reevaluate and to see that when you live a lifestyle to where you can live three to six months without any income, uh, see, you're, you're a whole lot more in so-called control than when you're having to deal with all of this fear 
uh, because of, once again, the shackles that most people have put on themselves. So this is a challenging you know, topic, and it's one that needs to be worked with, and I think understanding oneself really helps with that because it's not a one-size-fits-all. But, uh, but certainly working with that very first pillar of finding the divine order in the chaos is when somebody feels like they are uh, losing control or losing something or losing someone, my very first suggestion is to sit down and be in gratitude for, you know, what you got to experience or what you got to learn. And where I learned that lesson was when my life partner of 11 years, Sherry, you know, passed uh, 12 years ago. And when she passed, that was the very first thing that I couldn't so-called fix in this world. And it was something I couldn't even comprehend. And I had to go through a seven-year healing cycle for that. But the very first step of that was me accepting that it was just her time to move on. And no matter how much I try to understand it, uh, that isn't going to help. So acceptance is a choice. It's not something that's really figured out. Uh, there can be mental components that help with acceptance, but it's truly just a, a choice, very similar to somebody being excited about a beautiful sunny day and then it wound up raining and them letting that ruin their day rather than just go dance in the rain. So remember that our perception is possibly our only true free will in how we choose to look at things. And that is something that no one can take away from us. So be careful with those perceptions and how you practice them would be my first suggestion. So we have a question from Michelle. Um, when, and, well, and she poses it as, uh, when I lost my job, I was scared and angry. I didn't recognize it as grief. How important do you think it is to identify grief versus anger or grief versus fear? Great, great question. I would suggest that anywhere where someone is, has experienced anger that they consider um, that anger is connected to frustration and normally it breeds from frustration and possibly frustration is a fear of grief, a fear of losing something, a fear of change, a fear of something not happening the way that uh, you so-called want it to happen. So, I think that is more in alignment with what I was talking about earlier about expanding your view and looking to see how all of these emotions are connected. So as you are sitting, going through release, when you can go through moments, as Michelle mentioned, being upset and angry at losing the job, that more than likely grief is connected to that. So as you're going through your library of experiences and taking inventory, any situation or person that really made you extremely angry is another good place to consider that guilt, I mean, not guilt, but uh, grief is, is residing. And once again, uh, acceptance and forgiveness. And when I say acceptance or, or the keys, and when I say that, I don't say that lightly because I know this is tossed around um, – so much but it's actually a vibration that you need to feel it's not a thought that you have it's a vibration and as when Aaron was uh, sharing his story that he went into such gratitude and he was talking to this person that was holding space for him see that's more than just a thought that was a 
a whole sensory experience. And you can actually, uh, many times you'll feel uh, chill bumps on you or or you'll feel a little bit of uh, chill when something like that, that powerful happens. So it's very important to um, to continue to to have those releases and make those connections to the various emotions and see how they all are very connected. But it is an activation of energy. That's why thinking about a true life experience that you had is different than just creating a thought. When you, when you remember that experience that you had and you can go into how maybe you felt um, uh, that, that excitement, that appreciation, and that's what I felt like Aaron was relishing in in his example is he was just really in such deep appreciation in that present moment that he was activating that vibrationally, not just mentally. Okay, so we have a question from Virginia. Uh, and um, she wrote a lot, so I'm just going to paraphrase. Um, she mentions that the elderly are on fixed income, and with this uh, current situation, that they're now forced to live on their their investments, or the their investments are are waning down. Um, how how do they navigate the fear on that in needing to survive for financially when everything's you know kind of coming down on them as far as the financials go. Yes. And uh, supportive energy to everyone out there that is dealing with uh, this type of financial stress. It is very real. And, um, and I think this is uh, my Mary Virginia uh, Hampton, maybe. Um, And I want to uh, start off with, this is the very first place to practice faith. Um, whatever your belief system is, whether it's spirituality or religion, um, whether it's prayer or whether it's meditation, uh, whatever it is, when times get challenging, that's when our faith is really trust uh, tested. And we can lose faith really quickly when we go into fear. Um, as I said earlier, it's been said that the sparrows need not worry where their next meal comes from, from they will be provided for. And uh, so, so putting your trust, of course, doing anything uh, logically and in the external world that makes sense. Uh, we were given a brain to, you know, to make these decisions. And uh, outside of that, it's a, it is a big level of trust and realizing that when we are struggling with, with that trust or with that faith, uh, fear is there anxiety and more than likely it's uh, the emotions are always typically connected to things from the past. The present moment is just bringing up the situation to be seen as something that needs to be worked on. So it's not just the fear of maybe running out of money. It's a need to look at all the times in life when you have been in deep levels of fear and then be able to remember that obviously you've made it this far. So to go back in those times and to remember when you were so scared and then how things did work out. Um, And I had a lady ask me one time a very similar question when she was getting ready to retire. And she said, you're telling or suggesting not to worry, uh, especially about money, but I retire in two years and I'm afraid that I won't have enough money to live the rest of my life on. 
And I paused and I just um, said, well, have you uh, been in tight situations in the past in your life? And she's like, well, oh, yeah, financially in many other situations. And I said, and you've made it through all of those, correct? Obviously, because you're here. And she kind of smiled and said, well, yeah. And I said, well, why wouldn't you count on that? See, she was giving more power to the fear of the unknown than the proof of her whole life of things that she had persevered through. And there's many, many people, especially the elderly that are going through these levels of fear. They've been through uh, even harder times, a lot of them. And so that's what I want to call on the elderly to remember times in your life where you've been through similar types of challenges or anything that puts you into fear and remember that you made it through it. Remember that you, you survived and maybe you even thrived after it, but that's part of changing that information and redirecting it. Uh, in the just philosophy, we call it the three R's. You recognize the person, situation, or energy. You show that person, situation, or energy respect, and then you just simply redirect it. And you redirect it by using our memory of direct experiences. So once again, I say all of this with the utmost compassion for the, the stress that people are going through. But take time to remember uh, hardships that you have already overcome and put that in your memory bank as opposed to just feeding the fear and worry. Alexander, can you just briefly touch upon um, some of the ways that uh, a person would um, overcome grief or, or, or process their grief? Well, a lot of it is um, being willing to go into it. Uh, for some people, especially in these times, I'm seeing that it's kind of coming up natural uh, because, once again, fear is the main uh, mass consciousness that seems to be going on right now. And uh, fear is directly connected, as we said, anger is to grief, a fear of loss, a fear of failing, a fear of uh, not being connected. So it's, it is working on that uh, kind of repeating the, the faith and being willing to use past losses to increase your intimacy with those around you now. So see, when we, uh, when we go through fear or anxiety or even the grief comes up, we can choose somebody or something to be so grateful for. And so if it is a person that maybe you've lost in the past, um, see, when I lost Sherry, what, what shifted my energy was me choosing to focus on that I had 11 years with this amazing human being and that most people in this whole lifetime uh, will be fortunate just to meet somebody uh, at that caliber. And I got to spend 11 years intimately with this person, and, and I'm so grateful um, I've learned and grown and had so many uh, other types of experiences since. But when I realized to focus on every time the grief or the thought of loss come up, I would allow it to come and I would welcome it in. And then right away I would go, but remember this time that we did this and remember this, that we overcame. And I would immediately shift my mind into that gratitude and remembering actual situations. And then see, when we, when we balance those frequencies out, 
they stop coming as often because as we release some these emotions, it takes the pressure off. So I can't stress the amount of effectiveness of gratitude into a direct memory. And the gratitude is either around uh, what you appreciate about your experience of that person or that situation or just shifting it into another direction onto somebody else or another situation in your life. But just redirecting that energy, I think, is one of the main keys. I have to keep uh, muting myself because I have a cat trying to get in and she's now <laughs> at the door. And once in a while, she'll, she'll do it so loud that it shifts me onto the screen uh, instead of you. So, uh, so hopefully I don't forget to unmute. But if I do, if I'm just talking, just give me a heads up. Okay. So uh, I want to stay here in fear, uh, you know, in kind of the, the negative aspects of what's going on before we go into, you know, redirecting that energy. I want to, again, bring up uh, the, the, the thing that you said to me, and, and I don't know if we were able to make it as clear on the podcast or as powerful as you said it to me before we, did, before we actually recorded the podcast, where you were asking me why I was in fear because I, I was having an emotional reaction around all of this because being kind of a conspiracy theorist or a prepper, this is what I've been kind of like uh, preparing for, you know, for the last 10 years. And not that I want it to happen, but I just felt like I, you know, because of fear, I felt all like right. that kind of drove me to be a little more prepared. Um, and so you, said with such strong conviction, or you asked me, you know, what is it that I'm afraid of? Is there something that I have yet to have done in my life um, that is causing me to be fearful? And that immediately clicked, clicked with me. And like you lit a fire in me to be like, yes, there are some things that I haven't done in my life and, and things that I guess I always think, okay, well, I have like, you know, how many years left, like 40, 50, maybe, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll wait and see how my life settles out before doing those things. You know, you kind of just kick the can sure. down there. Not, not that they necessarily, it may not be the right time or the right place or, and so on for it right now, but just taking another look at that or, or, or what you said to me caused me to take another look at that. Um, so yeah. I, I want to first, uh, maybe you can speak to that a little more. And then also while you are speaking, if anybody else was uh, or, or had or inspired um, or was inspired by that in the podcast, if you want to just comment on that or, you know, raise your hand, if you want to actually chat about it, um, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, that was a powerful moment, and of course, it's very challenging to recreate those types of moments, but I do remember just asking you, uh, and I think this is the case with a lot of people, that they'll be experiencing an emotion, but they don't really take the time to get clear on what exactly it is. They just feel fear, and they go, oh, I'm just afraid, okay? Well, I think I said to you, you know, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of dying? Because that's the worst thing, so-called worst thing. But in all spiritual practices and religious that I've studied says that that's a good thing moving forward. And then I think I said, you know, is there something, are there things that you feel like you haven't completed and fulfilled? And so I'd like for people to use that as fuel around, around the fear and to use all these so-called negative emotions to just say, what are you trying to teach me? And, Fear is 
part of the lesson of fear is incompleteness, uh, just not feeling complete. Because if one lives a life to where they're prepared or ready for death at any moment, see, they have very little to be fearful of. Um, so some people can say, well, I'm fearful of losing my comforts. But a lot of people could do with a lot less so-called comforts and still be very comfortable comparative to people in the, in the world. So we have to put into consideration that our culture is very, very spoiled. And there are people suffering all over the world, you know, uh, much, much worse. So being willing to uh, work with those perspectives is, is one of the biggest parts of this work is changing the way that we see things. We can't always change the situation. And this brain comes back to that control, but we can change the way we perceive it. And it's the same when we see emotions aren't bad. They're here to teach us. They're here to be our teachers. So, you know, I think when I asked uh, you, Aaron, that question, you know, it did light that fire. And you went, well, yeah, there are things that I feel incomplete about that I want to do. And I saw a shift, of course, in your energy field, in your physical uh, way you were holding yourself. And that's what I would like for people to really pull on in this time as fear is, is present is to just go, hey, what do, is it that I feel incomplete with? Is If it's a past relationship where you don't feel like you have been able to speak your truth, then do that. But speak it to the wind, the sky, the trees. It doesn't be, need to be spoken to the person. So we, we feel like we need apologies, and, and we don't. We need to just release blame. So – so finding out where the fear is stemming from and using that as incentive to make changes in your life, to get closer to people, to, to break a habit, to uh, start a new habit, uh, to make a change, because that's what I feel like really feeds the soul is creativity. And once again, uh, my definition of creativity is anything that is non-repetitious or anything that is new. It doesn't have to be anything big. It can be skipping rather than walking. It can be twirling. It can be eating a different food. It can be sitting in a different place in your home. Uh, there's just make your life creative. And it's so much harder for fear to get in when you're being creative because creativity is a type of production. And normally fear comes in when people, the energy is moving less and that's why many times people will fight fear with uh, overworking and they're just exhausting themselves rather than intentionally going into using fear as incentive to change uh, who I am, what I'm about and uh, that energy going in a different direction. It's amazing when those shifts are felt and I'm always so glad when you bring that experience up. So it looks like um, we have, some shy people right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I do want to actually take this opportunity to uh, express my gratitude for everybody who has joined us. Um, I've tried to not have any expectations, but mm -hmm. we, I mean, we have uh, at some point we've had over 20 people across all the social networks. So for our first time and really not having practiced this too much, I think we're doing a pretty good job. Yes, yes, and we want everybody to know that this is going to be something that we're going to set up to happen every two weeks on the off weeks that we release an episode of the podcast. And so we're going to – the plan is to discuss the previous week's episode, 
and then have an open forum and uh, here hopefully people will be willing to maybe come on camera and ask uh, questions and because we we really want this to be a dialogue um, back and forth and we're putting it out on all these other platforms but the zoom platform is going to be the most interactive uh, platform and so the interaction is very important and i know there's a lot of shy people out there but uh part of the excitement of this is uh answering questions interacting because uh, we don't want this to be as directed as the uh, podcast is to where we're just giving information. Uh, the interaction is very important. So, you know, during the during your weeks when you're, you know, listening to the podcast or just whatever you're struggling with, take time to uh, take notes. It gets it out of your head and get it down on some paper or in a voice recorder. And then uh, we're building a community here. And uh, if you don't want to, uh, come on, you know, live, then you can send the question to Aaron. But if you are comfortable with it, uh, we would like for people to to be interactive and to show that uh, that community that we're building. So we thank everybody uh, so much for, for showing up on this first one. And uh, we are playing it uh, pretty loose and just seeing what people are looking for assistance with. I know a lot of it is around the epidemic that's going on, rac- pandemic that's going on right now, but um, we don't want to just focus on that constantly. We want to be utilizing this time for self-growth. So this is why this forum uh, was intentionally created uh, for me to be able to answer questions for people that maybe can't afford a, a full session. You know, and we're always grateful for any donations that uh, anyone wants to give us as we move forward. And I do want to mention here that I'm presently working in partnership with a few different people. Uh, Claire is on here that I'm working with and Aaron and uh, Joanna that are helping me with a planner. And we've actually got that down to three different levels. So we're hopefully uh, within two weeks, we're going to have the beginner level ready and it's going to be in. It's going to be an interactive um, planner for you to use daily to keep chart of things that you're working on emotionally and uh, conscious communicative wise. And I think it's really going to assist people to be more interactive on this platform uh, when they're able to kind of track uh, what they're working on. And we're, we're going to be bringing in um, all the, the information and different platforms from the just philosophy. We've covered a lot of it on the wise, wise podcast. I think we have over 50 episodes now, um, but there's still so much more to cover. So, so this is uh, just exciting times and it's also another way to build community and to connect people while we're in the social distancing. So your boy, Ian, (laughs) Ian and Ryan are in the chat. Uh, Ian says, um, when dealing with fear of the future and uncertainty, I have a useful reminder. I tell myself this universe and the divine are infinitely more wise than I am. Uh, helps me to just go with the flow, let go, trust the unfolding. Yes. And, uh, I want everyone to know that that's one of my sons, Ian, and uh, maybe both of them on there, right? Yep. Uh, so, uh, I welcome them and Victoria, if she's there as well, um, Great, great uh, input, and that is, you know, that humility of 
realizing that most of our problems or what we consider problems would uh, be joys for other people uh, in the world to deal with. So sometimes we make our problems way too big and to see ourselves uh, through that view of humility and to see the divine energy or mother earth uh, as that huge level of wisdom that many times we need to just still our minds, still our emotions and tap in because our guides are always trying to help us. Um, they're communicating through, through animals, through many different messages. And so, uh, so all of this work is about learning how to walk in self-awareness and to be able to, to use the signs that are around you uh, so that you feel that extra support. And so that humble view isn't a shrinking view. It's feeling strength and drawing strength from a higher power, uh, something beyond yourself. So love that input. All right. I think uh, we're a little past halfway. And so I think it's now now is time to transition on how we can redirect the, any fear or anxiety energy that we have. Um, you mentioned on one of the podcasts that we have um, many energies available to us and they are basically the polarities of the, the fear and all that. Um, so a few that you mentioned were creativity, a calm energy and a change energy. Yes. Yes. And I'm so glad that you brought this up because the way that energy works is wherever there is a focus, it creates a void somewhere else. Um, void doesn't mean uh, anything negative. It can mean uh, space. It can mean opportunity. So what I'd like a lot of people to, um, to consider and focus on is there is a mass consciousness level of fear and anxiety and grief. All of these so-called negative emotions are flowing uh, profusely out there. Uh, but because there's so much focus on that so-called negative, it creates availability for uh, the appreciation the gratitude, the because see, people have shifted their energy away from that, and those energies are, from my perception, always equally available. Uh, that's part of the polarity view. It's just what we choose to use our perception to focus on. So it excites me when I can feel the mass consciousness uh, going into that fear, and I can feel the pressure in my chest. But then I see all of the creativity coming out, all of the artists coming on doing um, free concerts and, and people expressing themselves. I think about people being at home uh, that have been away from their children and their families uh, for 60 or 70 hours a week, and now they're getting to reconnect in another way. Um, I'm seeing people that maybe have run themselves ragged that are having to, to learn the beauty of slowing down. Uh, I've seen so much more interest in gardening in people uh, really showing appreciation for the earth and just getting out and walking. I mean, I've never seen as many people walking on my street as I have during these times. So the point is, is that all of that energy is so available and we can either tap into that mass consciousness of where the masses seem to be going, or we can redirect that and look at it as, but all this other energy is so available over here because as not, there's not as many people focusing on experiencing it. 
So see, because people aren't going out on weekends to just have a good time and party and so-called raise their vibration temporarily, it gives an opportunity for that to be tapped into more consistently uh, because now the energies are are more steady than up and down like our culture is typically used to. And so so these steady vibrations is what really resonates with me and um, knowing that there's so much of that uh, creative energy like floating around out there and tapping into it um, because like even artists that are normally on the road doing grueling tours, I mean, they're able to just sit and create. So there's a mass consciousness energy uh, being created from a creative standpoint. And that's why it's a beautiful opportunity for anybody to tap into old things that they used to do that they haven't done in a long time to revisit those or try something new because that is another part of the mass consciousness that has elevated is uh, creativity and appreciation for nature. Yeah. So uh, when talking about those uh, available energies, you also mentioned that it was the feminine energy coming in. And so I don't know if you want to also men- um, talk or say anything about that. Yes, and we will touch on that a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, there is an understanding that we have been in uh, masculine energy for approximately 24,000 years and we're shifting into a more feminine that's been going on. Some people say since 2012, it is a gradual shift. Uh, and that is part of like what's going on now. I feel like it really supports that view. Um, all of the stuff that I'm talking about that's available, the creativity, the nurturing, the enjoying nature. See, all of that is uh, typically feminine energy. And the masculine is more of what is crumbling and what is coming to a halt. So, you know, after all of this is over, uh, everyone is going to have, you know, new choices, so to say. I mean, things will never go back to the way that they were, it will be different moving forward, but it will only be as different as each individual person wants it to be in their life. And this is just a really good opportunity to take, um, you know, to take inventory of the, you know, the priorities in life and, you know, the, in our philosophy here we work with you know six different priorities and i like to ask people to list these out and to put them in order and those are um, your partner or your intimate relationship then number two would be your kids or immediate family brother sisters mother father the third one would be your social time and hobbies the fourth would be your career and life goals The fifth would be your connection to source, that divine energy, whatever you want to call that. And then the sixth would be the self. And so I'd like to suggest to people to use that exercise to look at their true order of priorities in their life. And maybe now's a good time to take that test and put yourself where you were six months ago in the mindset that you were in. And then look at it presently and see if it some things haven't shifted and this is a good example of how easy it is to shift our perception the problem with our society is many times we wait for a catastrophe to happen to set us on a new course so 
uh, I implore everyone to truly take this opportunity in this life that's being pushed on us to truly take an internal inventory, look at those orders of those priorities. And as you move forward, you know, in life from here on out, uh, maybe decisions will be made in a different way. Excellent, Alexander. Um, I wanted to just take a quick pause and mention how important it is that uh, if you enjoy the podcast, that you leave a review on, on, if possible, on iTunes. That's, I think, I think we're at like 80% of our listeners go through iTunes. I think it's 80%. It might be 60. Okay. What's one of those numbers? Uh, and the way it works is it, a lot has to do with the reviews. The more reviews or even ratings that we get, the higher up on the charts we get and the more people are exposed to it. So help us help everybody else out there. And uh, if you have a moment um, and, and you do go through iTunes, um, that will help us out a lot. If you can either you just rate it or, and, or uh, leave a review. Um, I did actually have a few questions that we actually didn't touch upon in, in the episodes, but I have to do with it. And uh, this is one that I just, I didn't get a chance to ask when recording because of time restraints, but what is the impact on social distancing? Because if you think about it, we have to stay six feet away from each other and the human design, you know, works when you're within five feet of each person. Five to eight. You know? yeah. 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 So, so <laughs> uh, t- uh, tell us what you think about that. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a real subject. Um, and we are, as a human race, uh, from my perception, tactile people. And we were already uh, intimately deficient. Most of our culture doesn't get enough touch anyway. And now that has been even further extended and why nature is so important. Uh, we can get a lot of our feed or energy and connecting uh, through nature, through grounding, uh, through uh, trees and flowers and grass. And now that, you know, springtime is here, that's another bonus that we're not going through this, you know, at the beginning or middle of winter. Uh, so once again, right away, there's something to be grateful for that we could be going through this in middle of a winter. And some people are, some people, of course, around the world are in uh, different weather patterns. So, but here, in the uh, you know mid North Carolina on the East Coast, uh, we are in springtime, and that is one thing that I'm grateful for. So, so we continue to search for those things of of gratitude, and um, and I want to make sure that I didn't get off topic. So remind me of that question that you just posed. Well, I was just bringing up how. Uh, what is the impact of social social distancing? distancing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, the human design once again helps us to understand that because there are uh, what's called profiles and there's like 12 different profiles that people can have. And mine is what's called a four one and it's two numbers that give you this profile number and characteristics of it. And so people that carry the one are solitude people. And they actually get a recharge by being alone. So, see, I count myself as, once again, this is another blessing that the social distancing is uh, not that different from my typical life, except for uh, me performing out live and doing a few social things here and there. Um, so, so 
I find gratitude in that people that are say six twos or five twos, uh, twos are very, uh, partner oriented. And so they can, you know, really be hurting during these times because they tend to want to do everything in partnerships. And so, uh, so different aspects of different people, um, even a six, four person can, you know, they're designed to be extremely, um, social. And so the four five and six, even threes are like the social numbers and, uh, twos are, you know, and those are social in groups and twos are more in partnerships and then ones do well alone. So, so I think it helps to understand, you know, yourself and how you are operating in within the parameters of what we're experiencing. So it, it's, once again, it's not a blanket statement that I can answer because it does affect everybody differently. But for those that are, you know, are struggling with it, uh, gratitude comes through. We have these tools such as Zoom to connect. Uh, once again, we're not being able to, to touch or get within really each other's energy field. But this is another way that, you know, intention can be practiced and you can sit within six feet of each other and not touch each other uh, physically, but you can mingle energetically no matter what the distance is. So when people practice meditation or practice studying the subtle energy, see, love is an energy. It's not a touch. It's an energy. So what people are missing is truly setting in that intention to energetically connect with people because even though there's a physical uh, barrier, see, energy doesn't have the barriers. So we can get a lot of that feed by just sitting and loving one another, just holding a person in front of you in gratitude or holding a person even in thought. Um, but as I sit here and uh, I can think of, of my sons or anybody that, you know, is close to me and right away I can start to have a warm feeling in my stomach and see that's activating energy of appreciation. And then I just send them the love. And so I would like to suggest people to get away from this just restriction that we're not able to uh, connect because we are, uh, it's just a, a physical barrier and we can get beyond that. To get fed on the physical level, uh, the earth is here. Um, you know, I know people are in different climates, but getting outside, being in nature, uh, being around trees and a lot of, of growth is, is very, very useful. So uh, this is a great time for people to truly have an experience to see what they are feeling like because that's what's happening is, is that it's creating individuality. And so once again, this is a gift to see that, you know, when nobody else is around, if you're feeling anxious, then more than likely it's, it's yours. You're not picking it up somewhere where in this human design, some people have the emotional center that is white. And that means that they're extremely empathic or sensitive to other people's emotional reactions. So anytime they're around others going, uh, whether they're going through an emotional reaction or not, they will absorb that energy. So this social distancing is helping those people. It's actually giving them a break from carrying so much of other people's energies 
But see, it may be uncomfortable because these people are used to carrying that energy. So a lot of the struggle that I feel like people are dealing with is just that things are different and they're making it extreme in the way that they choose to look at it. So I think that that is um, just an excellent place to, uh, you know, to, to work with. Okay. Well, it's said that like hugging, you know, hugging is very beneficial. Yes. It releases um, some sort of, I don't know if it's a hormone or I'm not well-versed on that, but, but you mentioned that we can get fed other ways physically, but is there like, so are you saying that there is, there are enough ways that we can do it? And so hugging isn't necessarily its own type of thing, hugging or, or any type of touch. Um, well, there are, uh, there are other ways that we can get the same, the same feed. Energetic. I won't say the same because I am not taking away the beauty nor the effectiveness of human touch. Um, but we are in a temporary situation and to, it's kind of like supplementation. Um, you know, uh, you can get nutrition from supplements or you can get it from food. And if you don't have the food, then you utilize the supplements. So what I'm looking at like the hugging and touching is like the food and I'm just suggesting some supplements here, not that it replaces it, but it is a, uh, you know, a fact of physics that when you touch another living organism, like a tree or a plant or a person, there's an energetic exchange. So for most people, there's no shortage of just being able to walk outside and it can sound silly to hug a tree or to sit on the ground and put your back against the tree, but there's an energetic exchange going on there. And if, if somebody is feeling, you know, lonely and missing that, that human touch to truly go and experience that, uh, with a tree or a plant or a flower or an animal, uh, there, you know, the animals, the dogs and cats and many different types of animals, this is a great time to utilize, you know, their unconditional love. And so by no means am I talking about replacing human touch or am I uh, talking down on the effectiveness of it? It is very useful. It's very needed. Different people need different amounts. I know for me, myself, you know, I need that uh, very much, but I don't focus on that need at this time. I look for supplementation and that's really all that I'm suggesting here to use nature and animals for that supplementation rather than focusing on the lack or uh, not having enough uh, human contact. Yeah. That was just something that I've been wondering what the effect was of people not being able to hug, you know, where are we missing out on something extreme that, that we need that relatability, but yes. And I think that it's, you know, I think it's important to uh, point out that, it should increase the appreciation and the interest in that human touch when this does pass to realize that it is sacred um, and that uh, we had gotten so far away from intimacy with our human touch, whether it's a handshake or it's a so-called fake hug with a little pat on the back or something like that. So see, we've gone through many, many years, most of our culture through being allowed that touch, but not respecting it, not, uh, utilizing it. And when something is taken away, 
it gives us an opportunity to really make an adjustment and overall to just see like, no, the next time I get to touch my child or my grandchild or, you know, my partner or whoever that is, you know, I'm going to be in such appreciation. And instead of going in the fear or the negative emotions to go into a time where you do remember touching them, where you do remember hugging them and relishing in that vibration and then intentionally sending that to them. So you activate the energy through your memories to a direct experience. You get in it, and many times you will cry being in that deep level of appreciation. And then you just hold that person that you want to send it to or people in your mind, and you send it to them energetically. And it's amazing uh, the level that that can uh, have of effectiveness. So, uh, you know, this actually brings a wonderful opportunity for people to focus on the subtle energies of this life rather than just the physical. There's so much that we can experience and supplement right now, um, but it is accessed through stillness. And to, in order to get to true stillness, many of us have to work through those so-called negative emotions that want to come up. But I say, welcome them in. Welcome them in. So I did, again, just want to mention to anybody who uh, has not been watching since the beginning, this is a Q&A, so feel free to ask any questions you have, preferably on the most recent two episodes, but anything that we're discussing right now, um, uh, and you can do that across all Facebook and YouTube. Um, if you are on Instagram, I don't have a way of getting anything that's on there at this moment, but um, in the future, I'll try to find a way and yes, I'll and, just keep sneaking and looking at my phone. And as well, uh, you know, be open to most, uh, any question of anything that you're dealing with. It doesn't have to be just specifically around anything we've covered on the podcast. Um, because we do trust that this philosophy works, uh, around just about any issue that somebody may be going through, uh, because it's a, it's a breakdown and working with all five of those levels, uh, like I was saying, and, really focusing on emotional processing and conscious communication, um, which is a big platform for, for healing, especially at these times. And, you know, the conscious communication is something else that we hadn't touched on a lot yet. And when emotions get raised, um, you know, uh, loving conscious communication can many times go to the wayside when emotions are present, whether that is actually in happening in the communication or it's just a perception of one person we need to always look at anytime we are offended by something that someone said to take that emotional accountability and go inward to see why am i allowing this person or this word or this verbiage to affect me in this negative state i happen to feel that everyone is strong enough to overcome that it can take uh even years to work on because we have to break these patterns of how we have emotionally reacted throughout our whole life. And that is the platform for what is called conscious communication. And so, uh, so I look forward to, of course, we, we talk about conscious communication on many, many episodes and I'm sure we will make that a highlight of one of these um, journeys as well. So I did just want to throw out a question to everybody out there watching or listening. Is there anybody that is isolating alone and what challenges has that presented to you? 
Yes. And, you know, and that is a, um, a pretty big deal because the majority of my experience has, has been alone. And as I said, uh, I do honor and appreciate that I do carry that one. Now, it took me about 10 years uh, starting in my late 20s to truly get comfortable being alone. Um, so it didn't just come naturally, but I do share that it is part of my energetic makeup that once I work through the discomfort of being alone and being still, that it is actually my energetic makeup to uh, restore in that stillness. And then the four that I mentioned, just to bring that all the way around, is connected to uh, leading groups, um, something like uh, – when there is somebody either performing or teaching in front of many people, that's uh, lots of times what fours are pulled to do. So that's my actual social engagement is my live performances and my teaching. And that's how I get my social feed. And then I utilize my one um, in my isolation to uh, regenerate and to refresh myself. So that, you know, Anyone that is out there that is going through this alone and they are struggling, you know, please tap into our community. We have a, a Facebook group as well, the Wise Wise Podcast Community, and uh, we're we're here to connect. We're here to build uh, together. Um, you know, we're here to be a sounding board if someone needs to go through some emotional release and uh, not be judged. Uh, and we will do our best to uh, to help guide you into some direction. So, so reach out either through a private session. Uh, we can arrange that if you would like to to understand more about yourself and how to navigate these times. And uh, we can set that up, uh, or you know, pull on the wise wise community. And I'm sure there we have such beautiful people in that community that uh, was always willing to support and to be there for others. So. So we do have a question about um, when somebody becomes offended by something somebody says or does. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about like both sides of that, like the person who does the thing and, and what their experience is and what they can do to, or what they may want to consider doing to not offend somebody if there is mm -hmm. such a thing. <laughs> because technically anybody can be offended by anything yeah. nowadays. And then the person who is getting offended, what is their like responsibility and all that? And how can somebody work on like not being offended by, by things that other people do? Yeah. So, so this is a very important area and uh, you know, this is described under the emotional accountability and responsibility in no way. Am I saying that this work or this philosophy, see, it is based around um, overall wellness and healing the five levels is what this philosophy is around. And many times when you're working on healing, you're not prepared to go to battle. So for me, myself, I saw that when I was going through my emotional healing that I couldn't rely on anyone else to change. I had to change how I was receiving everybody and i went through seven years five years of excruciating chest pain my uh empathic natures were amplified going through my healing trauma and so i went from being a very grounded and 
non-emotional dude to very, very sensitive. I call it my polarity got flipped and I was extremely sensitive and empathic and I would just sit and cry being in excruciating pain and not knowing why, just hurting all over. So mine happened to be in my chest and it was around frustration. And so I realized that when I said something and somebody else had resistance, that that resistance frustrated me because I knew that my intention was good. And so I had to learn to not get frustrated. And it took me two years to practice to get out of my chest pain, to not allow anything to frustrate me. So with this view, I don't want it to at all be seen that I'm condoning somebody talking down to anyone or uh, beating somebody up verbally. I'm not condoning that action. I'm coming from the view of the person that's looking to be healed is that I feel that you have to take complete responsibility. And what helped me was understanding that we play roles for each other. And anytime we have some emotional area or energetic area that needs healing, we need it to be many times. We don't need it to, but many times it is created externally to bring it to our attention. So if somebody says something that sounds like they're talking down to me right away, I don't want to blame them and I don't want to get into a confrontation with them. I want to turn that inside and say, Hey, why am I feeling like this person is judging me here? Why am I not standing in my power? I'm clear in who I am. And see, as soon as I turn that inward, it extinguishes the friction externally. And I can even continue the conversation with the person and thank them. And later in my meditation, when I'm processing, I'm going to thank them for being my teacher because they just brought an emotion up to me that maybe I realized or didn't realize was there that still needs healing. So I might make a connection that, oh, that talking down to me is connected to the way that my brother has talked to me growing up and the way that he used to dominate me until I was 14 years old. He was 13 years older than me. And so most of the time when I'm going through frustration, I can connect it to something around that time when I felt like I didn't stand in my power. And I'm able to utilize the situation at hand to uh, heal and release something from the past. And then that heals the present moment right away. So that view that um, our emotional reaction is 100% our responsibility because the world is not going to stop creating situations for us to emotionally react to, such as disappointment. Anybody that ever experiences disappointment, there's a fact that disappointment cannot exist without expectations. So when a person shifts from expectations and their wants to living in intention, which Intention is you just set a course and then you trust that it'll work out in so-called divine order. And so you release the outcome. That's intention. The other are plans and expectations and disappointments always going to follow that. So see, as long as someone is willing to be disappointed, there is going to be someone in their life to disappoint them. But I do... Um, have a suggestion that when you get to a point to where you don't experience disappointment, very few people or situations in life will show up to test that. 
And this is how we heal on the energetic and emotional level. As we do release and we heal, less of those situations happen in our life. So many times the people that are creating so-called negative situations in our lives are uh, giving us an opportunity to heal parts of ourselves. And a big part of this is children. And those that are stuck at home with their children, not able to get breaks, you know, I send you blessings and support. But utilize this time to see them as little teachers. They're testing you, not because they are intending to, but they're experiencing something different. And when the, I've proven it hundreds of times, that when the parent gets in ease, the children calm down. But when the parent tries to overcome the children with force or direction, it, it can stimulate even more dis-ease. And so however we look at things external, it's the same internal. See, it's whatever we're resisting is creating the friction. That's why the saying uh, I love sharing, make love to the friction in life. Then see, it's no longer friction. It's just an opportunity to grow. So, I hope that that was a good explanation of of that, and I will step on the other side to say, do work to be impeccable with your word. That I have a saying that words are very powerful, and words carry no power simultaneously. The words coming into our ears, like I was talking earlier, they don't carry power unless we give them power. But the words coming out of our mouth, we should see every word as as a weapon or as a comfort and nurturing. So the other side of that is when you are the giver of words, be kind with your words, be soft and compassionate with your words. And we're not always going to be perfect, no matter how much you practice this. So this is why relating or relationships is a team effort. And in conscious communication, both parties are aware of both sides of this. And both parties are working on both sides simultaneously, working to not use trigger words where if I'm talking to somebody I care about and I say a word and I see them react, see, I'm willing to not use that word unless they say, no, I want you to continue using that word so I can work to heal it. Then that's my partner. That's my friend. That's the people that I enjoy hanging around. And that's how we can utilize each other. Instead of offending each other, we can utilize each other to heal. It is a beautiful, beautiful process. What level is that? That sounds pretty advanced. <laughs> it is, uh, you know, um, I think that that can start at level two. Uh, we've dabbled in that level two, but it becomes more of the mastery in level three. And, um, and we'll be starting at level one. Uh, and that's kind of what this is the foundation for. So, so we have uh, a long way to go. And remember that this life work is, uh, it is just that. It's a whole life's work. It's a journey. It's not a destination. And everything is just a stepping stone. And when you can look at it like that, see, there's no or there's very little attachment so looking at things as stepping stones rather than arrivals, because remember people, um, you know, the only consistent or constant in this life is change. That's the one thing that you can count on. And that's what we are being, um, have the opportunity to practice right now is our ability to change. Because once again, this isn't my saying, but I love it. That it's not the strongest that will survive. And it's not the smartest that will survive. It's the one that can adapt. 
And that's all we are experiencing right now, people, is an opportunity to adapt, change these perceptions. I did want to mention I've seen a few more people try to uh, join our Zoom. And uh, I set it up so there's a waiting room. And so I have to manually hit, you know, allow in. And some people, I don't know if they were waiting there while I was speaking. Uh, Just want to let people know that the next time when they go to join, I have to manually do that. So it wasn't that you weren't allowed in. I just couldn't do it fast enough Um, because my throat chakra was activated and I just (laughs) kept talking. Um, uh, Michelle asks um, a question, an add-on question. Could you explain a a bit more about the differences between expectations and intentions? Yes. Okay. So expectations is part of the world of duality. It means that we have a preference. Intention is part of the world of polarity. So as I said earlier, intention is, I'll give an example of both in the same scenario. I'm excited about experiencing a beautiful sunshine day, and I'm going to go lay out in the sun, and I'm going to sunbathe and just enjoy the sun. And I get out, and after about 15 minutes, a cloud comes up. Now, if I'm in intention, my energy does not shift. If I'm in expectation or plans, the energy shifts because resistance comes in. No, I want the sunshine. So there comes friction, there comes resistance, and so-called negative emotions. Then it starts raining. Uh, More than likely, that person will get upset. Uh, They'll gather their stuff up, uh, maybe go inside, then connect with somebody socially, typically start complaining about the weather, and the plans that had and how uh, that all got destroyed, and that's the energy that's being generated. Or the person with intention goes, man, I'm going to set an intention to have a beautiful time today, and I'm going to enjoy the sunshine. And going in, planning or intending to enjoy a full day of sunshine, but after 15 minutes of laying there, a cloud comes up. And the person with intention goes, oh, well, that's interesting. I thought it was supposed to be sunny all day, but I'm going to keep enjoying this because this is making me think of something else. Maybe maybe I want to go for a little run or a little jog um, now that it's getting a little cooler. Maybe I want to do some yoga. And then the clouds keep increasing and it slowly starts to rain. See, by now the person with plans is more than likely very frustrated, as I said earlier. The person with intention go, man, we're so fortunate to get this rain. Let me look up at the sky and feel how this feels on my face. Let me enjoy. See, the person with intention did not stop their enjoyment, no matter what was brought to them. So intention is flexible. Because intention is connected for uh, trusting what I call, um, I want what is for the overall good of everyone involved. Where plans and disappointment is normally a selfish, a self-generated idea. So I hope that that helps to explain the difference between intention and uh, plans or uh, being disappointed. Because... The way that you know that you're operating in intention 
is that when something happens differently than you intended, it does not throw you off emotionally, that you're able to roll with it because you're trusting that this is for the higher good rather than what I had planned myself. Going back to what Ian mentioned of that humility and that there is a higher power here working a much more complicated plan than I can even begin to understand. So see, happiness and contentment. Contentment is truly a decision that a person makes, not something that is dictated by a person's situation. And we do have an episode on that recorded. I believe it's called How to Properly Set an Intention. And it, when we discussed, like when I was trying to sell my house and I feel like I, I, yeah, I entertained another energy in that and uh, didn't, didn't really work out. Yeah, it's a good example of that. So it'd be good uh, for you guys to go back and listen to that. Okay, so Laurel asks, are you noticing any differences in a person's human design type and how they are managing the challenge of the social isolation? Yes, yes. Um, I did touch on that a little bit earlier and um, so glad that she chimed in. And it does uh, play a role, especially around um, your profile uh, in the human design. And it can be a relief for a lot of people, like I said, that has a lot of white, that they're used to being uh, bombarded with other people's energy. Um, all the people with ones in their profiles are probably doing better than most. Um, and uh, fives are some of the most social. So five people can uh, struggle uh, potentially the most. Um, so three fives are some of the most social people that are out there. And that happens to be Aaron's uh, profile. So, you know, for three fives, part of working with that energy is uh, the creative side, um, burning that energy off creative. So whatever someone, anyone that does carry a five or a social number, they do have another number and that secondary number can be a good key as to how to disperse uh, that energy. Uh, for instance, if somebody is a 5-2, if they're a 5-1, see, they're very social, but they also do well alone. So they're probably, you know, uh, okay sometimes and then not okay. They're probably on an emotional roller coaster. But somebody that's like a 5-2 they can still do their partnerships uh, via Zoom and uh, phone uh, chat. So the tools are really helping the twos that want to do things in partnerships. And even though we can't connect physically, we can still connect to uh, be creative and do projects together. And then anybody that has the three, uh, just being creative helps. Um, fours is very similar to what I'm doing now, adapting. And now, earlier today, I did a sound journey uh, through these different uh, computer platforms, and now we're doing uh, this through the platform. So, see, as a four, I just shifted that I can't get in front of people physically, but I still can through the tools. So, and sixes, are, I talked about fives um, being the, the most social, and then sixes are the visionaries. So, this is a time where – you know, lots of sixes are coming up with more and more uh, huge visions. And this is another great time for them to, uh, in isolation, to be uh, creating, creating their visions. Um, but it does affect, the isolation affects uh, almost everyone differently. And through an understanding of the 
uh, card system that I work with, Destiny Cards, which is really Egyptian numerology and the human design. We can give you a very, very good understanding of how the universe is supporting you um, specifically uh, during these times and how to redirect your energy if you are struggling with it. Because realize that struggle, that's all it is, is energy that isn't being dispersed in a certain uh, direction. So that's why the three R's is recognize it, respect it, and then redirect it. And uh, the respect part is part of the observation part. And we get into that very deeply in the planner and deeper into the work. So another great question. Um, it does affect everybody differently. It's hard to answer that, uh, to give too much more just general information, but I did try to touch on the individual parts for those of you that do know your profile and your human design. And for those of you that don't, please uh, contact me and we will uh, work it out to find out. Good question. Yeah, we did actually get a question about how they could find out what their profile numbers are or their human design type. Maybe you could just take a minute to explain um, what these things are, the human design system and the destiny cards. They're tools that we use and maybe you could just get into what, you know, why you use them. Yes, yes. So, um, so I've been working with the uh, destiny card system, Egyptian numerology, for well over 20 years and uh, the human design system for uh, 13 or 14 now. And in combination, the human design system shows your energetic makeup and it shows your energy centers from a nine chakra system. And it he helps you to understand, like I said, your empathic nature. It'll either be active and you put energy out into the world through that energy center or it's non-active and you absorb energy from others in that areas. So uh, I'm able to help people to understand their true level of sensitivity. And then with the cards and all this is based off of your birth information. And with the cards, it helps you to understand um, most people get two different cards and you, and it is cards like it's in a deck of cards from an ace to a king with the four suits. Um, heart people are typically focused around relationships. Diamond people are typically focused around money or material things. Um, spade people is spiritual uh, direction or real estate, land type stuff. And clubs is information of all types. So that system helps you to understand your personality and your life purpose or your higher self um, as you evolve, evolve and what you can become. So between those two systems, uh, it gives you a very overall view of your personality, your life purpose and direction, and your energetic makeup and how you relate with others and the world. Now, you can go online and Google both of these systems to get some general information, um, human design, or destiny card system. Uh, if you want to start there, there's plenty of information out there um, on the on the web. But if you want to go deeper, and if you would like to get a, a true reading that typically takes an hour and a half to two hours, um, please reach out and we can schedule uh, a session and uh, really clear up a lot of questions. And more useful, give confirmation. I was talking, I had a couple session uh, yesterday, and that's what the gentleman said. He said, uh, this is just giving me so much confirmation for things that I felt throughout my life. And I told him that confirmation is such a gift because, see, most of us, when we think 
we know something about ourselves many times, especially if it's so-called good, we, the doubt will come in right away and see that stops or buffers the vibration. But when we feel something about ourselves and then we have a third party that doesn't know us at all, confirm that about us. See, then when we have that thought moving forward, it will be amplified because it's being confirmed. So never doubt confirmation. When something gets confirmed, it doesn't mean that you already know it and you didn't need to hear it. It means that it just gave you an opportunity to amplify that thought. All right. You caught me on mute that time. <laughs> my, and I had double feeds going on in my ears. Um, uh, I actually wanted to, for, for, or, or I guess speak from my own experience and why I'm here right now and why I um, resonate with this. For those who this may be new, this is a, a system that has a foundation of what we call the pillars and they are, what would you call them? I don't want to say like. Well, they're, they're actually, yeah, I, I describe the pillars as the very first go-to. Anytime you have an emotional reaction and, and understand the emotional reaction isn't just like yelling or screaming where somebody else can see it. When I say emotional reaction, I mean that something changes in your energetic field. And see, the more sensitive that you get working on your subtle energy you can catch it sooner and sooner and sooner and so uh that's that's why this work is is so useful because when we take care of things in the subtle realm it aids the healing of the physical and it keeps um the deterioration from happening in the physical so a uh, big part of this work is truly helping to demystify the understanding of subtle energy and bring physics and science into this because it's all vibration. That's a fact of physics. Everything on this plane is vibration. So this is a frequency-based philosophy, and the pillars are five things that anytime you have any type of emotional reaction to go back to to remember I call it, it brings you back to clear way of seeing things to help redirect that perception. It's wanting to go down a negative road. Well, let's go back in the negative road and let me go and review the pillars. And for me, the very first one almost always takes care of it. As soon as I remember that everything's in divine order, whether I understand this or not, um, I have such a trust in that because of everything that I've been through in my life. And then I've experienced a lot of death and a lot of success and a lot of failures. And that trust in that divine uh, energy and plan is um, unwavering for me. So, so I normally hit it with number one. But like I said, if I go to the next one, everybody or everything has an opportunity to be your teacher. So right away, I negate the negativity and I go into researching and being a student. What does this have to teach me? See, the idea of the pillars is to uh, start to put the blanket on the fire, the emotional fire, and redirect the thought process. So once again, to go over those, the third one is polarity versus duality. And I remember that everything is polarity. So so-called bad things have to happen uh, in order for so-called good things to be understood as part of the process. And then emotional accountability and responsibility, that our emotional reaction is our own responsibility. We shouldn't vomit our emotions on other people. And then the fifth one, the law of physics, that everything is vibration. 
Therefore, everything can be shifted with a stronger vibration given enough time. Yes. Yeah, and the thing that resonates most with me is that it's set up so that if you have uh, uh, you know, an emotional reaction, you can figure this stuff out for yourself you know, yes. because all this information is there for you to utilize. You, we don't need to, you know, ring you up and ask you, Alexander, <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? I mean, I know that people need coaching and that's what you're there for to help people along in this process um, because it, it is a lot of information and it does take time. I mean, yeah. I've been working with you for four years, a little over four years now, and I still feel like a noob. <laughs> well, well, it's a, it is a life journey and that's why we can't judge ourselves and, you know, uh, I have been working on this philosophy for about 26 years, and now I am putting it down into writing, um, like I said earlier, with some wonderful help. And uh, so we're, we're, we started out to create one planner, and uh, once again, I'll give Claire a lot of gratitude for her help so far. And um, we've now created really three different levels of planners. And the planners is turning into uh, workbooks for apprenticeship program that I am putting together. And then the workbooks will turn into, of course, uh, just literature. Um, so very soon we plan on having um, information for people to be able to go to to read. Uh, but right now there's a almost endless supply on our um, podcast uh, platform. And so, uh, so be sure to, to make use of that, but we are coming out with the, uh, with the literal here very soon. I wanted to pose a question to everybody out there watching, listening, whether it's now or, you know, on, on uh, record later on what, I guess, what is your favorite topic that we've covered already? And then what are any future topics that you would like us to discuss on the podcast and uh, if, if you guys send them in now, I can just, um, you know, voice them over. We can, we can briefly discuss what kind of cool ones there mm -hmm. are. But, but if not, it's cool. We'll go back through the chat later on and get some ideas for upcoming ones because we always want to be touching on subjects that are fun and interesting for, you know, what you guys are going through at this moment. It makes it more, a little more relevant. Right. Um, and, you know, and I did want to say that uh, – you know, we are being uh, kind of loose with time on this one. It is our first one, and we're being kind of relaxed with that. So we do understand that anybody that needs to, to leave, but we will work in the future to keep these um, probably within an hour to an hour and a half. Um, we want to uh, – we're just enjoying, of course, uh, this first time and getting kind of like the foundation and so thankful for everybody that's um, staying with us. So we do have another question from Michelle. How do you think judgment affects us? Mm. Well, judgment negates the opportunity to learn. I want to say that again. Judgment negates the opportunity to learn. One of my great teachers, Sam, changed my whole life. And in a moment in my late 20s when I was working with him and um, – I was talking about uh, looking for a guru and potentially going to India, and many uh, people have heard me tell this story. And I just wanted to grow, and I wanted to learn so bad. And um, and he just laughed, and uh, he said, "Oh, such silliness." He said, "You have 
so many people around you constantly teaching you what doesn't work, but because you're stuck in judgment, you fail to learn. So others run around the world looking for somebody to teach them what to do, and they're not able to absorb it because they're so full of their baggage. So drop judgment. Pay attention to exactly where you are and the people that you are around, and they will show you what doesn't work in communication, in conversations, in actions, failures in love. So I started working right away to step out of judgment, to not see good and bad, to, to look them at them as a part of a necessity to be together. And that has helped me to grow exponentially and to be able to use situations um, around me uh, for example, if I happen to be in a restaurant and there's a couple sitting behind me and they get in an argument, see, I could go into all kinds of judgment of they're bothering my meal or they're doing that in public, how rude or anything like that. Or I can simply like just feel what caused the ripple. And that could be useful information because it could be that – I could feel the energy that one of them said something to the other and they weren't clear about it. So the other one uh, misunderstood it. And in that moment, I can take it as a lesson to go be sure in all of your communications that you are clear in what you're saying because it's so easy to get uh, misunderstood. And see, that can all happen within just a few seconds. And I can take something away from that situation rather than judging it ridiculing it in my mind because it only takes a split second but i made it useful and how can i make that beneficial and in that situation i just used it as a reminder to be as clear as you can when you are speaking so that you don't get misunderstood and if you do get misunderstood do your best to carry compassion um, so that's just a small example of that uh but yes judgment from my perception negates the opportunity to learn or grow that is a subject that I would like to cover on a future ep. I do have that written down on my list, yeah. but Michelle, thank you for that, that question. Uh, I guess, um, I guess we're, we're kind of wrapping up now, but Michelle, yeah, so get ready to wrap up. another question. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Michelle always has the questions. Wonderful. Uh, how can we become more compassionate? Mm. Or be more compassionate. Okay. Another great question. I love these questions. I am designed to answer questions, so uh, thank you guys so much. Um, compassion. This is a good one. Compassion is seen very differently by um, almost everyone, very similar to love. Um, and there are different types of compassion. But I'm going to speak in general, and what I would like to suggest is for the person, each individual to look at themselves and the compassion that they give for themselves. And that we may only be able to reach a compassion externally and for others uh, that we allow and give ourselves. So this is why forgive, forgiveness of our own transgressions in the past is so important uh, because that forgiveness is creating that compassion. And when we create that compassion for ourselves, it creates it externally as well. Uh, that compassion is connected with judgment that we judge externally to the level that we judge ourselves. Uh, 
we carry compassion and are able to communicate that externally as well as we carry compassion for ourselves. So once again, this becomes a reflection that the external is just a reflection of the internal. So if you're struggling with giving someone compassion externally, maybe something that they did to you and they're asking forgiveness and you're having a hard time finding compassion in that, you know, look internally for somewhere that you are still judging yourself and be compassionate with that little girl or little boy. And we all have that little girl or little boy in us. And when we make mistakes, we need to remember that, that, uh, that it's okay to make mistakes and that we, we learn through the mistakes. So that's a, that's a big step in compassion is that we actually, you know, learn through those mistakes and therefore we can give others the opportunity to uh, make mistakes as well. There is a line that needs to be drawn and there is a time for self-preservation because you can um, enable some people by continuing to give them that so-called forgiveness if they continue the same pattern over and over. So that's a little bit more advanced and we'll get into that maybe in the podcast. But to start with that compassion is to really look at areas of yourself that needs forgiveness. I'd like to suggest to start there. All right. I think uh, unless you are feeling strong in your <laughs> to, to continue in your voice, uh, I think we can pr- pretty much wrap that up now. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a good time. It's been an amazing uh, gathering. And um, like I said, this one did uh, go on a little bit longer than we will do in the future. But uh, but it's been a wonderful sharing. I thank everybody for your time, your energy, your support, your interest. Please, please, please reach out and let um, other people know uh, that uh, about us, the teaching, the podcast, uh, these biweekly gatherings. And for right now, I think unless something changes, we're shooting for, you know, every other Sunday around this time, around 7 p.m. Uh, we'll let you know if anything changes on that. Um, and then be on the lookout for my sound journeys as well. I'll be doing those weekly I'm considering Thursday evenings, so please be on the lookout uh, for that. Um, thank you guys so much for your uh, appreciation, your donations, just everything. I'm in deep, deep gratitude. And if you're new and, you, and you, you've never listened to the podcast, you can do so by going to wise-wise.com or finding us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, YouTube, anywhere uh, where podcasts are aggregated. Yes. So thank you guys very much. And thank you, Aaron. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks guys. Take care.